Welcome to the Nahrain Network. We're today with Professor Mark Al-Tawil at University College London. How are you, Mark? Good. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You're a professor on Near East archaeology and archaeological data science. What does that mean? Yes. So uh, what I do is I cover two areas. Uh, I teach and do research in areas such as Near Eastern archaeology, so the wider Middle East or ancient Middle East. Uh, but I'm also I have interests and do research in areas such as archaeological data science. It's a, it's a relatively new area that we uh, here at UCL actually founded about six, seven years ago now. I think we're the first academic institution to teach uh, data science as it relates uh, to heritage and archaeology. What made you interested in archaeology? Archaeology has been something in, in my family for, for really generations. I had a well-known uh, archaeologist in my family who was involved in Iraq's early uh, history in, with archaeology when the nation state of Iraq was developed. In the 1940s, some of the earliest professional archaeologists were being trained. He was one of the first and eventually rose the ranks. His name was Fuad Safar. So I had stories from that generation, that time, and, and certainly just general knowledge and history about the country. As I grew up, being curious about the, the country and, and its history uh, led me to kind of want to pursue this as a as, as professional uh, endeavor. And you completed your PhD at the University of Chicago. What was that in? Yes, I completed uh, in 2004. My PhD was in Mesopotamian archaeology, uh, so focusing on ancient Iraq, effectively, looking at Neo-Assyrian period, uh, looking at the countryside and region of Ashur and Nineveh. My BA was in anthropology, so in the United States, it's very typical to study anthropology as archaeology is part of anthropology, the study of sort of human behavior, uh, so whether it's more recent or, or past behavior. And my MA and PhD were in what was called the New Eastern Languages and Civilizations program, which focused specifically on the ancient Near East using languages, but also archaeology as, as part of the curriculum. And if we can just focus a bit on the component in your title, archaeological data science. Could you tell us about, about how that's applied in your workplace? Yeah, so this is kind of more broad. It goes well beyond the Near East, certainly. It's, it's more applicable to using so things like machine learning, data science, uh, blockchain, all kinds of computational methods to understand social science kinds of questions, oftentimes related to the past, although I also have done lots of research on heritage-related areas, so how our heritage is used, for instance, in things like uh, social media, how it's used in, in understanding how people perceive heritage and, and use it for propaganda and or conflict or even political endeavors. Recently, you've become the Vice Dean Innovation Enterprise and Knowledge Exchange at UCL. That involves archaeology or is that something to do more with the, the broader development and progress of UCL? No, that's, that's uh, definitely focused more at a faculty level at UCL. So uh, I, my department is in the Faculty of Social and Historical Sciences. Uh, and so uh, I have had an interest in developing uh, everything from startups to working with different kinds of nonprofit, for-profit, as well as public institutions uh, throughout my career. And I've done this in a variety of capacities. So I've, I've taken these interests and skills and hopefully applying them now uh, as vice dean in this area to benefit my faculty in creating external kinds of connections to such bodies. And does that involve archaeology or cultural heritage in part? Uh, yes, it does, actually. We do, for instance, here at UCL, uh, Institute of Archaeology, we have a company within the Department of Institute of Archaeology. So we have Archaeology Southeast, as an example, which uh, has relationships to uh, public, uh, private, and other kinds of institutions as well. So we develop that as part of that. But it's, it's, it's certainly much more broad than archaeology or even heritage. 
And if we just go back to your work in Iraq, what are you working on at the moment? So I have a variety of interests in ancient Iraq. I started my career looking at ancient landscapes. So I did a lot of satellite imagery and, and those kinds of things and analysis of imagery for understanding things like ancient landscape features like Kanats, ancient sites. But now more recently, I've taken different interests. I've seen archaeology has really advanced in the last 10, 15 years at a very rapid pace. So a lot of these advancements were never applied to Iraq. So for instance, I'm interested in things like ancient DNA analysis. So we're beginning to apply this to ancient Iraq, uh, specifically to the Neo-Syrian period. I'm interested in paleoclimate research. So we've been doing some cave-related work in Iraqi Kurdistan, recovering what are called speleothems to reconstruct paleoclimate. But I also have interested in things like getting, developing better uh, chronologies and historical chronologies. So we've also done geomagnetic kinds of archaeomagnetic dating. So there's a big publication that's coming out soon, hopefully, about this. And so that's some of my recent work. I've also have heritage interests, of course, in protecting Iraq's past, I'm working with colleagues uh, for that, developing technologies and tools. And uh, just general, also, I continue to do some research on ancient landscapes. I do uh, some computational, but also field-based research, working with colleagues in the Ashra region on excavations and landscape studies. Would it be fair to say that the new technologies that you're employing or have developed in the past years is shaping or reshaping knowledge production when it comes to archaeology? How is it impacting and furthering the, the cause of knowledge production, particularly in relation to Middle East archaeology? Yeah, I would like to think that we're, we're advancing some of that knowledge production. I think we're advancing things like more greater knowledge about Iraq's past, certainly. And that's been part of the goals is to advance both theoretically, but also in terms of knowledge production to the wider academic bodies uh, out there, as well as just colleagues around the world. But uh, in particular, my interest has, of course, grown in developing close relationships and collaboration with Iraqi colleagues. So knowledge production can be produced, of course, from by our Iraqi colleagues working in close collaboration with them to uh, aid them and also to be involved in, in, in relatively recent developments uh, in archaeology. Would you say that new technology is forcing or compelling us to revisit the history of this region when it comes to archaeology? I'd like to think so. I think uh, there's a lot, certainly we've learned over decades in studying this region, but the, this is definitely evolving. We've had a lot of new tools that can allow us to develop a, a much more greater precise knowledge, uh, not only discovery of things like ancient cities and places, but now we can refine chronologies. We can uh, even determine much more clear understanding of Iraq's ancient climate, which I think has application for modern-day Iraq, given all the challenges the country faces. So there are lots of things that we're beginning to learn that we just didn't know anything about. We were kind of, in many ways, I thought we were operating in a void. You see uh, ancient Iraq as this place that's supposed to be the birthplace of, of complex societies, yet we knew nothing about its ancient climate, and, and now we have a much uh, better understanding of that picture. So we're beginning to get a lot more data, and in some ways answering some of those age-old questions about the rise of early complex societies, how societies evolved, as well as addressing, hopefully, some modern cultural heritage kinds of challenges that Iraq is beginning to face. And you've mentioned working with colleagues in Iraq. Um, could you tell us a bit about that and how can we support our colleagues in Iraq? Through your work, you have direct exposure to their challenges there. Yeah, so uh, over the course of my career, I've done a lot of public joint publications with Iraqi colleagues. Uh, so that certainly a lot of it is getting that knowledge production out there, particularly the knowledge created by Iraqi colleagues. So I think that is, I always felt that was part of 
the tasks I think that's relevant for my career and, and really as someone who's involved in this region. This was in particular the case during the years of the embargo years, but going into the early sort of post-embargo uh, years uh, after the war, 2003 war, when things were still quite difficult, of course. But now it's beginning to shift, um, I would say. Uh, I think that knowledge production is, is now doing things like joint publications, working, uh, applying some of the recent kinds of uh, new technologies and techniques. So, for instance, there are paleo Climate research, we're working with uh, colleagues in university settings who are in the geology department there, for instance, uh, where we're trying to um, use that knowledge not only to benefit them from a theoretical point of view, but also have uh, work with them to apply some of that knowledge in things like areas such as policy. So we have all this climate data for 10,000 years of Iraqi history. What does this mean for Iraq? Can we use this to understand the kinds of climate we can expect uh, going in the next 100 years or so? Um, in Iraq where we're facing such challenges. So that, that kind of stuff, that knowledge production, both from a kind of theoretical academic point of view, but also knowledge production that can be applied in some ways to hopefully benefit society with Iraqis taking the lead, I would say, uh, in that knowledge production, I think is critical. With this new body or um, increases in data you have, um, potentially it would mean that other fields could actually have interesting conversations with you because you're collecting data about, in this case, Iraq's uh, climate or ancient climate. I guess perhaps this is new data that could be used by other interested academics or cognate fields of, of academia. Yeah, absolutely. I think ancient Iraq, of course, has had for a long time broad interests uh, in, in theoretical kinds of, lots of different kinds of research, really. I mean, given Iraq's early history uh, and how it developed, and certainly knowing something about its climate will shape quite broadly, discussions on things like the rise of complex societies, what triggers these kinds of events, how climate has played a role in things like the evolution of urbanism, those kinds of big questions, which we still don't know enough, to be honest, about, in my opinion. So I think we're beginning to hopefully address some of these uh, issues that are much more broader. Uh, Even though they are Iraq-specific, they're actually quite broad because of the implications that ancient Iraq has on world history. And if we can just go back to your interest in Ashur or Assyria, what was interesting about Ashur or Assyria that made you focus? I mean, you did a PhD on that and just continuing to work on, on Assyria in northern Iraq. What sort of triggered your first interest in Ashur or Assyria? Yeah, I think I'm, my family is from, from Mosul, so I suppose there's a kind of regional <laughs> bias, I suppose, uh, being from that region. And, and, and you know, I heard stories about my, my father growing up having to walk across Mosul and, and uh, picking up the sherds and sometimes telling me he basically looted his sherds from the site. But uh, basically, uh, you know, he, he grew up in a village uh, that was literally next to uh, Nineveh, Jila, as it was called, which is now part of Mosul, one of the neighborhoods in, in the eastern part of Mosul. In any case, those kinds of stories, of course, inspired me. And, and then, uh, as I mentioned, I have a relative who was as well known in archaeology in Iraq and, and, and all those stories created me, I think, led me to have interest in Assyria specifically. And it was something I felt I can contribute to. I began to do some research uh, on it when I was a graduate student. I realized there's quite a lot of interesting questions we, ask, we could ask. And, and I was hoping to do a survey around Ashur prior to the 2003 war, which never happened because of the war. And of course, this is a personal story as much as it is about your career. Do you have any existing work in, in northern Iraq, in Ashur or Assyria at the moment? What type of work does that involve? Well, I'm, I'm working with colleagues from, from Germany, Elvia Munich, uh, Karin Redner, uh, professor there in history. She's leading the effort, but I'm working with her. We're kind of investigating some of these uh, old questions we've had, but also new ones about Ashur specifically, and, and hopefully once we get a chance, maybe even areas around Ashur. So there's a lot of questions about the ancient city. It, it's one of these places 
that was, you know, you wouldn't expect to rise as an important city given its location. It's a very marginal place uh, in many ways. It's, it's vulnerable to, to, to climate kinds of variability, for instance. It has a nice location along the river, but it was one of these cities that became very successful. And perhaps this kind of being on the edge of what is productive and what is capable for an early city in many ways may have pushed it to become a successful city in the past. So that's something that I'm interested in learning about, uh, why Asher became such a, an important place and continue to be so, of course, uh, in later periods, um, in late near Syrian period, for instance, and, and, and even beyond. So this is something that I hope to continue to do research on. Com taking some of that old research that I did and that never happened because of the war in 2003, and maybe we could actually apply it uh, to uh, some of the things we're studying now. And if we can just go back to um, supporting our colleagues in Iraq, what would you hope uh, would change, or what can we do being here in in UK or in, in Europe, in US, what could we do better? What can we uh, develop, you know, thinking about the near future for Iraq to, to strengthen our collaboration and our partnerships with Iraqi colleagues in this field? Well, I think it, it, just having more efforts uh, really led by our colleagues. I mean, it's, it's very typical for us to get grants and funding in the UK and then we take that research abroad effectively which is, is good, and, and many times our colleagues support that, certainly. But I think having more open dialogue with our colleagues, seeing the, the kinds of needs that they have, what we can do to help them, and having those kinds of endeavors perhaps lead some of those efforts um, would be good. Uh, so we could also then incorporate uh, our colleagues in, in training and research so they're involved every step of the way, being co-decision makers, co-directors. A lot of people are doing this already, so I, I certainly want to give credit to a lot of my colleagues who have been quite active in this area. Um, but I think more of this um, and making sure that perhaps taking that information to our funding bodies so that they see foreign research as something that has to kind of reflect uh, perhaps previous inequalities and how we can now begin to address that uh, through collaborative research are some of the kinds of things I'd like to see going forward. I, I've been quite positive recently in some ways about research in Iraq. I think it has a, a, a bright future despite the challenges in the region. Of course, there are challenges and there are very a lot of problems both internally and externally that affect the country, but I think we are in a better position today than we were, say, at least 10 years ago. So in some ways, I, I see some positives uh, going forward. On that note, Professor Makatoi, thank you very much. Thank you for your time and thank you. Thank you.